off to a good start in our Circle Maker series. I hope that you have uh, given yourself access to the book, The Circle Maker. Uh, we've had some for sale. I'm not sure if we have any more, but we're going to be getting more. And the family bookstore has a lot. And I might have a copy I could loan you because this book will revolutionize the way you and God talk together. And I hope you'll read it. If not read it, I hope you'll be here each week to uh, hear from heaven about how God would desire that you and I uh, carry on conversations, talking and listening. A brand new way to talk and listen to God. A, a way in which the power of God is activated in your life. Uh, just beginning last week, we talked about making a time in your day, finding a place, drawing a circle, and getting in it, and calling on heaven until your prayer is answered. We talked about the idea that we, we don't want to just pray for things that uh, we could accomplish in our own power, but we want to pray for things where we see the defining hand of God at work, where only God could do what has happened. So think about those things. Pray about those things. Uh, very specific in our prayers. Three things that I want to lay on your heart today in relationship to our church, and three things that you can pray about during that season or time that you choose. The first is this. Uh, generally, our church will average baptizing around 40 or 45 people a year, which is a good number, right? That's a good thing. But what if we prayed about that specifically? And what if we called upon heaven and asked God, first of all, to make us witnesses, to place someone in our life to share the gospel with? And we ask God very specifically, as a church, to allow us to baptize a hundred people from this September to the next. Does that sound like a worthy goal? Now, I'm going to ask you, if you meant that, I want to ask you to clap. And as you clap, you're saying, I'm going to do my part, right? <laughs> Secondly, I want to ask you to pick out somebody in this congregation. It might appear to be the person who's at most comfortable, the happiest person in this congregation. Or it might appear to be me, I don't know. But pick out somebody in this congregation, and when you go to God in prayer, I want you to pray specifically for that person. You may not even know what to ask God in relationship to that person. But just pray, God, I want to lift that person up. Whatever they need, wherever they are, whatever burden they're carrying, God, just be near to them. So pray specifically for one, two. If you're a good prayer, 10 or 12 people. But pray for one another. Number three. We are, as I read just a few moments ago, $34,000 behind our budget. And I, I want to tell you, I think that's Satan keeping us from reaching our potential. Because we got a lot of folks here, and we got a lot of needs here. We got a wonderful budget meant for ministry to happen in our community and around our world. Our dollars go to a lot of places and help a lot of people. And it makes no sense to me that we have not been 
uh, tithers. Uh, maybe some of you are find that a foreign notion where the Scripture says when you have a, a, an income that you give 10% of that to God. We don't do a check or run you out if you don't do that so you can be here and be comfortable. But I want to encourage you that if you'll become a tither, God will give you back more than, he, than, than, than you'll give Him. And if you can't get to that place right now, would you just start to think about and pray about how to be generous? How to, to give until God is blessed and honored and ministry takes place. We're also going to be beginning a brand new secondary campaign to pay off our debt. I have been in a lot of churches and a lot of places, and I have not been in a better gathering place than the one we have. Amen? We need to pay that off. We owe a little over a million dollars, which is nothing for us, right? We'd like to do that in the next three years so we could do something else, so more ministry can take place. So you pray about those things, and when you pray about those things, when you're in that circle and you're talking to God, God might encourage you in your own life as well as in our church's life. So the circle maker. Praying is unique because it allows us to connect with God and be a part of what God is doing. And the first thing I want you to write down today is this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Sovereign means that God is in control of everything. That He's all-seeing, that He's all-knowing, that He's all-powerful. But through prayer, He allows you and I to get in on what He's doing. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that our earnest, our zealous prayers, our circle-making prayers, those kind of intensified, powerful, blood, sweat, and tears prayers, they, they impact God. That He is uh, moved by our desire to see good things happen. And prayer allows us to do things that we could never do on our own because we have our abilities bathed in God's power. Sovereign God lets us in on His power. And prayer is, is, is also unique in the sense that when, when we pray, we get to the places we're supposed to go, we meet the people we're supposed to meet, we work in the job where we're supposed to work. We are encountering on a daily basis that God, the people that God puts in our path. Uh, we're strengthened by prayer. Prayer helps us to step into God's plan, or I believe I said it this way, it helps us to step into our destiny. You get where God intends you to go when you're asking Him what direction to take. Now, if you're like me, when, when you pray sometimes, you say, I've done the best thing I could do. I've lifted that person up in prayer. I've told God uh, where my heart is. I've petitioned God. I've 
repented. I have confessed. I've done what I need. I've given thanksgiving, done what I need to do in prayer. That ought to be enough. Let me go to the easy chair. Watch football. Watch the home and garden network, or whatever it is you watch. I've done enough. I've prayed. That's it. God will take care of it. Do you see that in Scripture anywhere? I don't think so. Every time people of God call upon God, He says back to the people of God, here's what I want you to do. So you're going to find when you pray these prayers, when, when, when you fall to your knees, when you draw the circle and you don't leave till God answers, that His answer is going to be a command to you to do something. In other words, you pray like it depends on God and you work like it depends on who? This is a question. You work like it depends on who? No, you. Right? Sometimes we look for the easy way out, don't we? I, I heard about a guy who uh, was walking around downtown Cincinnati, and he witnessed a, a guy get struck by an automobile. Kind of knocked the guy over to the sidewalk, and he was cut, bleeding, kind of mangled. And, and so he gets his phone out, his cell phone out, and he dials 911, and he said, I'm downtown Cincinnati. I've just seen an accident. Got a guy laying here. He needs an ambulance. Uh, can you come help him? They said, where are you, sir? He said, I'm on Sycamore Street. He said, could you spell that? He said, S-I-K, no, S-I, no, S, wait a second, I'll pull him over to Elm Street. Not a true story, by the way. Uh, but is that you when you pray? You know, this one, I can't quite get through it, so I'll just jump somewhere else. I'll go to an easier place, go somewhere where it's less of a challenge. Sometimes we just give up too easy, don't we? And then you're going to learn during this time, this season of prayer in your life, to not just say, God, Here's a dozen things you could do for me. God, here's a dozen things you could do for our church. But I hope you'll learn to pray, God, here's what I believe you're asking me to talk to you about. This one thing, this very specific thing, this very specific person, this goal, this act that only you could bring about. And you won't pray in a gray area. It'll be black and white. God, show me your power. God, let me in on your power. God, let's work this miracle in the life of our church or in my life or in my friend's life. Pray very specific prayers. Now, I want you to know that because prayer leads you to your destiny, that there are things at work now in your life that you have no idea about. There, there are people that you're going to meet. There are encounters that you're going to have. There are opportunities that are, are going to be placed in your path that you may not know about unless you're listening 
to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Unless you're listening to God as He whispers back to you when you pray. Uh, there are some of you who are sitting with your spouse today. If you hadn't prayed a certain prayer or been in a certain place or, or caught their eye in a certain way or found them on the internet, whatever happened, you wouldn't be married, would you? Right? Amen? I mean, did, I mean, do you think you just got lucky that it was a coincidence? Chip does. You did well. Where'd you find Brandy? At a lake. There's a story there. You see, the things that happen in our lives, the people that God places in our lives, are divine appointments meant to enhance our lives. Some of you are praying hard for a divine appointment right now, aren't you? You're here today and you're single and you're saying, could this be the day? And you're scanning the crowd. I see you. I want to read a story to you about a guy who was praying steadfastly for God to do a work in his life and another guy who was religious and he was praying steadfastly not to have to do what he was going about to do. It's found in Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you open them there? If not, just follow along on the screen. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea. If you uh, study the map of Jerusalem, Caesarea is in the far north. He was captain of the Italian Guard. In other words, he was a mercenary. He was sent there uh, to, to uh, keep the peace. Thoroughly a good man. Thoroughly a good man. Didn't say he was Baptist, just he was a good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God. He was always helping people in need. He had the habit of prayer. What a good word to say about somebody, isn't it? He had the habit of prayer. And one day about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God as real as his next door neighbor. I mean, a, an angel. You ever seen an angel? Cornelius did. Came in and called him by name. Verse 4. Cornelius stared hard. I bet he did. Wondering if he was seeing things. And then he said, what do you want, sir? And the angel said, your prayers and your neighborly acts has brought you to God's attention. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you? You're such a good person and you're such a prayer warrior that you caught God's attention. Wow. Here's what you're to do. Send men to Joppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is down by the sea. Now, reading between the lines there, uh, I think Peter was on vacation, don't you? I think he had his flip-flops on. I think he'd blown up his float, and he was getting ready to go out on the sea and lay there, read a book, relax, whatever people did on vacation in those days. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particularly devout soldier from the guard. And he went over with them in great detail everything that had just happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. 
Now, I think what's happening here is something that is completely unprecedented in Cornelius' life. Would you agree? I don't believe Cornelius had ever seen an angel, and I don't believe that God had ever interrupted his life in such a way as he did then. So he had been praying, I believe, for something wonderfully miraculous and unprecedented to happen, and he got it. And sometimes nothing new ever happens in our lives. Nothing amazing ever happens in our life because all we bother to pray for is what we have already known and experienced. The people we already know. You know, some of you are afraid, you're deathly afraid of meeting somebody new that you might have to talk to because you've already got enough friends. You've already know enough people. If you've lived in Burlington all your life, you have been invaded with humanity, haven't you? And it's kind of messed up things for you. Takes you about an hour longer to get to Florence than it used to on Sunday afternoon. Cornelius had something unprecedented happen in his life. The next day, in verse 9, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon. And Peter got hungry. Well, it's noon. It's time to eat, right? And he started thinking about lunch. That's what I'm doing right now, I can tell you. I'm thinking smoky bones today, if you want to join me. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, this is not a drugged, dazed trance. This is a Holy Spirit trance. That's a better one, right? He kind of got intoxicated with God. He fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up. And something that looked like a huge blanket, lowered by ropes at its four corners, settled on the ground. And every kind of animal and reptile and bird you can think of was on it. And a voice came, do you think was talking? Anybody? God, thank you. Jim, Jim, you get an A for the day. The rest of you, when I ask a question, jump in. It was God talking. Go to it, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter said, Oh, no, God. I have never, ever in my holy, religious, righteous life ever tasted food that wasn't kosher. Let's stop here because this is good stuff. He's praying. He's in this holy trance. He's in a conversation with God. And God is talking back. You know, God whispers and prompts, but He's never said, eat this time. He's never had to because I've jumped on it. And Peter said, God, you know that that is not a part of my religion. You see that? 
It was an inconvenient thing that God was asking Peter to do. Not only was it unprecedented, it didn't fit with what he had learned as a child and on into his adulthood. How crazy, just, just as an aside, how crazy is it that you're so religious that when God tells you to do something, you argue with Him? Kind of missing the point, isn't it? I, I was at a church one time and uh, pastor for five years there. And the first communion Sunday, like today, the chairman of deacons called me aside and he said, brother, that's what, how deacons used to talk, they've gotten better. Brother, and he had a deep voice, kind of scared me a little. Just be sure that no one who is not a member of our church today partakes of the communion. And I said, why? He said, that's what our church believes in. Closed. He thought it closed communion. So I thought about that and prayed about it a little bit and prayed about it a little more and thought about how life would look without a job. And I got up and said, this meal served by God in His grace, salvation is only for those who are members of this church. And I felt like a complete hypocrite. So when the deacons met again, I said to them, I've prayed about this, I've listened to God, and in my spirit I've been prompted to say that anybody who's a believer, that anybody who's been touched by the grace and the Spirit of God can come into this church and sit down with us no matter what their affiliation and share in communion. We had to vote on it. It was seven for God and five against. How crazy is it when God says, here's what I've done for you and want to do for you, that we say, no, wait a minute, God, that goes against our church constitution, our faith, or what we've believed in forever. You see, Peter had always thought that if he had a bacon and tomato sandwich, he was going to go to hell. Aren't you glad we don't outlaw bacon? Amen. And so all this food has fallen from heaven. I've prayed about Dreams, I want to be in that dream, don't you? All this food has fallen from heaven. And what God is saying to Peter is there is a man somewhere, you'll see it in just a minute, who doesn't believe like you believe. He's not a kosher Jew. Because up until that point, the only folks who had had a knowledge of Jesus and the gospel were Jewish people. But you're about to see how God began to move among Gentiles. And you're about to see the door open for generation after generation after generation to this one, to you and me, 
the door to salvation through Jesus opened because Cornelius prayed, Peter prayed. Here's what happened. This is good. Listen. Then a voice came a second time. Peter's kind of stubborn, right? If I say it's okay, I know the, the, the screen says if God says it's okay. It's God talking. If I say it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times. Peter was a strong Jew. Some of you are strong in what you believe, and it's going to take God three times to convince you otherwise, right? And then the blanket was pulled back into heaven. So Peter is puzzling over what God's trying to say to him, trying to figure out what it meant. And the men sent in the midst of that puzzling time by Cornelius, they showed up at his front door. They came in asking if there was a Simon, also called Peter, staying there. And Peter, lost in thought, didn't hear them. So the Spirit whispered to him, three men are at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Here's my favorite part of this story. And don't ask any questions. Could you imagine God got tired of Peter's questions? I expect he gets tired of mine and yours too. Just go do it. This is me. You used to play that game with your parents. Why do I have to do that? Because, because, why? You know, you know, and finally they just say what? Go do it. That's what God's saying to Peter. I sent them to you. Verse 21. Peter went down and he said to the man, I, I, think, <laughs> I think you guys are the people that I'm looking for. What's up? I like that. Why's up? Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well-known for his fair play, ask any Jew, because they knew who Peter was. He was commanded by an angel, holy angel, to get you and bring you to him so he could hear what you had to say. And look here, verse 25. Peter invited them in, made them feel at home. The next morning they got up and they went to Joppa. They went to Joppa. And here's what the Bible says. When they got to Joppa, he had a house full of people waiting on him. His friends, his relatives. And finally, Peter walked into his house. You see, that was the moment that everything changed. You can trace your salvation as a Gentile back to that moment. Your salvation. There's some things I want you to see in this story because I think they're very, very pertinent to where you are today. First is this, when you follow Jesus, when you pray and you listen to Jesus, you never know where you'll go or who you'll meet. Joppa and Caesarea were 32 miles away. In, in my mind, that's about as far as Burlington to Dry Ridge, right? About 32 miles. And I'll just tell you this. I, I like Dry Ridge, and I'll drive down there from time to time. Got a great La Rosa's there, a good place called the Country something or other. I mean, I measure towns by restaurants. That's just me. I like it. But if I have to walk, I'm not going, right? Amen? And so in those days, 
most people never, ever went further than 30 miles from their house because they had to walk. And so it was extraordinary for a man from Joppa and a man from Caesarea to be in contact. It was a God thing to make that happen. If Peter hadn't been praying and Cornelius hadn't been praying, if God hadn't just said, Peter, shut up and go, because here's a man who is a great guy, but he doesn't know Jesus. None of this would have ever happened. I wonder what might happen in your life or what hasn't happened in your life because you've refused to pray that way. I wonder what hasn't happened in your life or whose life hasn't been touched by you because you just kept asking questions and refused to go. I wonder if you have been able to get past precedence or inconvenience. Or if you've been afraid to go somewhere new, to talk to someone new, to invest your life in someone new, someone of a different nature or faith or background from you. I wonder if you've been able to move past inconvenience, to pray long enough and hard enough and powerfully enough. Or if you've been willing to just shut up and go, even if it was inconvenient, even if you had to walk a long way to a place where you didn't want to be. Because sometimes, my friends, when we pray and when we're intense and purposeful, when we've drawn the circle around us and we're beseeching God to bring someone into our life, to use us in a meaningful way, it will put you in a place of inconvenience. It'll take an effort. It'll take giving more than you want to give sometimes. It'll take going places you never wanted to go. It'll it'll take just shutting up and not asking the questions or giving, in our case, the excuses. Our genealogy dates back to this place. And these guys should have never met. And when you pray that way, you never know where God will send you and who you'll meet. But in a way, isn't that kind of exciting? I want you to stop and think about this. While you sit in this place today, and if you're willing to just open the door a little bit while you sit in this place today, and if you'll pray that prayer, God, put someone in my path, put put a friend, a neighbor, someone I don't know, someone I'll see at the mall, someone I'll see at Smoky Bones today. Still thinking about lunch. God, if you'll just do that in my life, I'll walk through that door. That somewhere else, someone else is praying. God, I need this. I need to meet someone today who will make a difference in my life. I need a touch from you. And when you pray and they pray, God somehow or another gets you exactly where you need to be so that you can help impact and change a life. You can make somebody better. You can help them to get to heaven 
rather than hell. Why do I say that? Did you read the rest of the story? Read the rest when you get home. Let me give you an excerpt. Not too long after Peter got there, I I expect they had some non-kosher food. And then he got to preaching. That's what preachers do. And everyone in Cornelius' household were baptized in him. Whoa! Everyone! Every once in a while I think about some Sunday, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to say to the congregation uh, spontaneously, if you're here today and you want to be baptized, just come right up here right now and I'll put you under the water. But I always fear like, eh, nobody will do it. Nobody will be that spontaneous and I'll look like an idiot and so I don't do it. Can you imagine everyone in the place getting baptized? That was a great day in his house. This good man who lived well, who, who had this reputation, a wonderful reputation, was headed for hell. But God spoke to his heart. And he sent someone to tell him about Jesus. About Jesus. If you knew if God spoke to you and said, if you'll go see this person or that person, go just pray for that appointment, and that person will miss hell and make heaven, is there any better way to spend your time today? Do like this, guys. Come on. Is there any better way, I mean, to spend any of your time? You see, when there's a vision from God and a mission, and a strategy conceived in prayer. There's a miracle waiting to happen. And I believe God wants to work a miracle through every person here today. I believe God wants you to be able to do something spectacular in your own life and in somebody else's. So will you go to the circle? Will you go to the circle and pray? And don't stop until God says to you somehow in prompting of the Spirit, here's where you need to go. And then don't ask any questions. Just go. Just go. I can't help but believe that will be the greatest day of your life when you keep that appointment. What are you praying for? What are you asking God to do in your life? What are you not going to give up on? Who are you praying for? What do you need to do today to be a part of the Maybe it starts at this altar in a moment. Maybe it starts by you coming and saying, God, I really can't do anything because i got so much garbage in my life. I need to get rid of it. Maybe you just need to say, I need to know Jesus before I can introduce him to someone else. What needs to happen? God has brought you here for this moment. Will you be obedient to him?
Will you just say no more questions? I'll go where you want me to go. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that even though you don't have to use us to carry out your plan, that you choose to. Thank you that we have been here today to hear how you want to move and work in our life, the testimonies of answered prayers. And, and we know that this time of invitation can be a time where we can be changed, made holy, made better, where we can find the strength that we need, the direction we need, the hope we need. Cover us with your Spirit now, Father. Would you hush the enemy close his mouth and father would your words either in a shout or a whisper or a moving of our spirit be heard let your power fall fill this place with your spirit right here right now Jesus stand with me as God calls you to come today as God calls you to pray today, as God calls you to keep that appointment, you say yes. Sing with me.